0: Don and Marlene. Well, I don't know about you, but that ministered to my soul. Thank you. Gracious Lord Jesus, I come before you as a sinner in need of a Savior. We recognize, dear Lord, that we are in the devil's land. He tries his best to not only discourage and wound but to separate and fragment fragment, and destroy relationships and ultimately to kill. And so that's why we're here, Jesus. We want to look to you, the author and perfecter of our faith. We to want to seek you. Because without you, Jesus, we are lost. So forgive us of our sins, Lord for our wayward ways, for when we've hurt one another, and allow us the grace, dear Lord, to continue in relationships with each other. Be here and speak to our hearts, I pray, Jesus, in your name, amen. I'm doing a series entitled, This I Know, last week, was on Creator, this week is on Great Controversy, and we really start at the end of the Bible to understand the beginning. You have to go to the end to really make sense of the beginning. And the Bible tells us very clearly in Revelation chapter 12, That there broke out in heaven, Michael and his angels fought, war had broken out, and Michael and his angels fought against the dragon, and the dragon and his angels fought back. This war, this struggle between heaven's hosts and the demons literally that would become hell began to fight against each other, and the Bible makes it very clear that he, the devil, was not strong enough, and they lost their place. In heaven, the great dragon was hurled down. That ancient servant called the devil or Satan, who leads the whole world astray, he was hurled to the earth and his angels with him. In fact, when Jesus was on earth, he himself said, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. Luke 10 18. You want to know why there's war on earth? Because at one time there was war in heaven. We are all, we all have a front seat these days to war. We all can turn on our televisions or even look on our phones and we can watch and hear of massacres taking place right now. In fact, this very moment someone is being killed right now in war, right now. The reason why we have cruelty and suffering and hatred is because there was war in heaven. So when we talk about the great controversy, we're not talking about Star Wars on TV. We're talking about the great controversy between Christ and Satan. And some might ask at this juncture right now, they may say, well, if there was war in heaven and Satan rebelled and his angels rebelled. Why didn't God just flick his finger and poof, they would be all gone? That would have been a simple way to destroy wickedness and sin. But then the remainder, two-thirds of the angels that were with God would have looked around and said, well, maybe the accusation Satan was making is true because look it, they disagreed with God and poof, they're gone. Somehow, in this two-kingdom situation, somehow God had to allow us and everyone else to see what these two kingdoms really were about. Years ago, I heard a story. It's a story of a small little silver bell and a young boy by the name of Koichi. And little Koichi, one day, decided to go out and play with his friends at a nearby lake not far out of the city. And he took his sisters, without permission, little silver bell. And the game that they played in this little lake that they played in was they would take the silver bell and throw it out into the water and then someone would dive into the water and see the sparkle of the silver against the sunlight flickering through the water and they would bring the silver bell up. And so... It was that on this particular day, someone threw the bell way out there, way out there. And Koichi dove in to find the bell. He knew it was going to be difficult because that was a far throw. But he had been diving for a lot of times and a good little swimmer, and he had spent a lot of time underwater, and he knew how to hold his breath, and he was down there looking and checking out to see if he could find that little silver bell So, finally, after some time of being under the water, Koichi came out of the water, and his world was forever changed. Because on that day, at that moment, October 6, 1945, the Hiroshima bomb had been dropped. And no friend of Hoichi was alive. Everything had been leveled. Everything had changed. Koichi came out of that water in a war that he hadn't started, but he was affected by it. And, dear family, we are all a part of a war that we did not start. But we are all affected by it. The Bible lets us know, as we talked about last week, that when God created this earth, it was beautiful. It was gorgeous beyond a description. In every way, life pulsated throughout creation with, with beauty and vibrancy. Everything that came fresh from the Creator's spoken word was absolutely perfect. In Genesis chapter 1 and Genesis chapter 2, describes an accurate detail how God spoke large and small into creation. And we find that every day of creation was for our blessing and benefit. Each day was designed with God's touch, God's blessing, God's presence, God's love. And after creation, the Bible lets us know, God then joined with Adam and Eve together, put together that final day, that final day that was that was not meant for pleasure or or. Or for work, it was meant for communion and for rest. That day that looked like all the other days, but God had spoken something into that day. We learned last week, thus the heavens and the earth were completed in all their vast array. But by the seventh day, God had ended and finished the work he had been doing. So on the seventh day, this final day of what we call the week, God rested from all his work. And then what did God do to that seventh day? He blessed it and made it holy because on it he rested from all the creating that he had done. So what happened? What happened to this beautiful, beautiful creation? Well, Genesis 3 tells us the story of our atomic bomb that dropped. Civilization's atomic bomb that dropped in Genesis chapter 3 is that story. And Genesis chapter 2, God warned Adam and Eve, do not go to the center of the garden where there's this tree called the knowledge of good and evil. Do not touch it. Do not eat of it. Stay away from it. But we find somehow in the story that Eve, seems like she's alone, wandering away from her husband, is found now by the tree. And a conversation is sparked. Now the serpent, more crafty than the other wild animals the Lord God had made, the creature begins to speak to Eve And he says something very interesting. Did God really say you must not eat from any tree in the garden? Now listen to that argument. Listen to that question. That question has nothing to do with what God said. God basically had one tree not to eat from. But you could eat from all the other trees. But Satan asked the question in order for her not to just say yes and no. He wanted her to communicate with him correct him, get into a discussion with him. You see, Satan, his tactics are well-worn and work well. If he can get any of us to get into a conversation with him, he knows how to deceive us. And that's why we want to use Scripture, and thus saith the Lord, and come to our Jesus more than ever before. The Bible says that she corrects the Lucifer, Satan, the serpent. The woman says to the serpent, "We may eat fruit from the trees in the garden." Of course, God said that, but God did say, "You must not eat fruit from the tree that is in the middle of the garden. You must not touch it, or you will die." Make no mistake about it. She was not. She was not ill-informed. She knew exactly what she was doing. She understood that she shouldn't touch or eat it. You will certainly not die, the serpent said to the woman, for God knows that when you eat from it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. We often say that the first lie that Satan ever said was in the form, you, sure, you surely will not die. And So the Bible tells us, when the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye, And also desirable for gaining wisdom, she took some of it and ate it, and also gave some to her husband Adam, who was with her, and he ate it. The battle of the great controversy is really between God and Satan. When Eve and Adam ate that fruit we find out very soon thereafter that something begins to mature in their psyche. They begin to understand that they have gone wayward of God's will. They begin to recognize their nakedness. They begin to recognize that they are not completely whole anymore. And the first thing they do is God comes to them and says, Adam and Eve, where are you? And they hide from God. Isn't it interesting? When we have or in conversation with the enemy, and he begins to lead us and wonder us, the first thing we want to do is hide from God. We want to hide from others. We want to isolate ourselves, and that's what exactly Adam and Eve did. This, this great controversy that is in this world today affects our lives, and really the question is really a choice, who will be, take our allegiance? Who will, be, who will we be allegiant to? Now, we don't know exactly how the war in heaven started. but The Bible gives us some pretty clear insight into the details of Satan's once-chosen position. And I want you to get to know this because the Bible takes the time to tell us these things. So, it gives us insight into the strategies and who he is. Isaiah chapter 14 begins to tell us how you have fallen from heaven, morning star, son of the dawn. You see... The exact Hebrew word for morning star is Lucifer, because that's what the word means: morning star, Lucifer. You who once laid low the nations, you said in your heart, listen to this now: I will ascend to the heavens, I will rise my throne above the stars of God. I will sit throng on the Mount of the Assembly on the utmost heights of the Mount of Zaphon. I will ascend above the tops of the clouds. I will make myself like the Most High. As some have said, Satan has an eye problem. The fact of the matter is, you can see how this once gorgeous, beautiful angel, created angel of heaven, begins to Glorify Himself using pride and ambition. In fact, Ezekiel chapter 12 gives us another insight into this. It says, You were sealed for perfection, full of wisdom and perfect in beauty. You who were in Eden, the garden of God, every precious stone adorned you, and it goes through all the stones. Your settings and mountings were made of gold. On the day you were created, they were prepared. And then in verse 14, it says, you were anointed as a what? Guardian cherub, for so I ordained you, a guardian cherub. You were on the holy mount of God. You walked among the fiery stones. You were blameless in your ways from the day you were created till wickedness was found in you. Through your widespread trade, you were found with violence and you sinned. Isn't that interesting? Satan, this beautiful guardian cherub, was blameless, gorgeous, until sin was found in him. And so God says, I drove you in disgrace from the mount of God, and I expelled you, guardian cherub, from among the fiery stones. Your heart became Proud on account of your beauty and you corrupted your wisdom because of your splendor so I threw you to the earth I made a spectacle of you before kings you want to know the number one problem with the biggest sin of all I should say is pride pride I'm better than you somehow I'm more important than you my people are more important than your people Jealousy and pride started eating at Lucifer. It was no doubt slow and imperceptible. The accusations began to start forming. Maybe God isn't fair. Maybe God's kingdoms and rules are too restrictive. Whatever the language or whatever the accusations are, the Bible tells us that he was able to convince one third of the angelic host to rebel and follow him in rebellion. It's incredible. And so you have two kingdoms in this great controversy, two kingdoms. And everyone in the then known universe could choose, okay, which kingdom are you going to be a part of? So now God wants to create a new earth, planet earth. Some people have speculated why did God put the garden of, of the of the tree of, of of knowledge of good and evil in the garden. Well listen, God had to give our new parents the exact choice that he gave the then known universe a choice between two kingdoms. And had they stayed away from the tree, had they rebelled and said, not rebelled, but had they said, we don't want to be a part of that kingdom, we don't want to be a part of those lies, we reject that, we want to follow God fully, maybe then Satan could have been destroyed at that point. But that's not what took place. God gave Adam and Eve rulership over this earth, and when they gave up that rulership, they gave it to who? Satan. And so basically, dear family, we live in Satan's playground. This is his territory. The Bible even calls it the God of this age. This place belongs to Satan. And the Bible says... Then I heard a loud voice in heaven. Now has come the salvation and power in the kingdom of our God and the authority of the uh, Messiah. For the accuser of our brethren, that's Satan, and sisters who accuses them before our God day and night has been hurled down. They triumphed over him by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony. They did not love their lives so much as to shrink from death. And then listen to verse 12. And I, of course, love verse 11 because it says their conviction and commitment to God and to the Lamb was even to the point of death. Therefore rejoice, you heavens, and you who dwell in them, but woe to the earth and the sea, because the devil has gone down to you. He is filled with fury because he knows that his time is short he is filled with fury because he knows that his time is short you see dear family this is no joke and this is no game we're a part of this is a real battle for the souls of each of our lives i fill that battle Sometimes I do things, say things, act out in ways I know I shouldn't. I feel that battle waging in my heart, and I'm sure you feel it waging in yours as well. We live in the devil's playground, and he wants to discourage every one of us in whatever way he can to rebel against the king of creation. And the shorter time he has the greater his fury becomes. He is filled with fury. No wonder why God came in the flesh. Jesus Christ came down here and was crucified for our sins and to give us redemption because we needed a way of escape from this planet. And this enemy, this serpent, this Satan is out to determine undermine the the, the sweet grace of God's salvation. And my Bible gives me some promises that I hang my hat on almost daily. Dear children, you dear children are from God and have overcome them because the one who is in you, come on now, is greater than the one who is in this world. Amen. Amen. When we have Jesus come into our lives, even though we recognize the battle is real, he who is in you is greater than he that is in this world. What a promise in the midst of this great controversy. When you get real sick, you feel the effects of the great controversy. When you lose a loved one, you experience the power and depth of the great controversy. When you give into temptation of Satan and be lured into a, a, the prison of addictions, or you begin to understand the battle of the great controversy. But you see, the Bible doesn't want you and I to not know the battle, the, the Bible wants us to understand the battle. The Bible wants us to understand what kind of enemy we're up against and what kind of Savior we have to defend us. The Bible tells us this, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, despising his shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Now what this text tells me that I love so much is that when in this battle I keep my eyes focused on Jesus, I can come back and repent and be what? Forgiven. Amen? I can be forgiven. I can be cleansed. I can be renewed. I can forgive someone who's offended me. I don't have to hold grudges because I can experience both the forgiveness and the forgiving looking unto Jesus. The Bible is very clear, however, that even though we have this privilege to look unto Jesus, that be sober and vigilant because your adversary, the devil, walks around like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. So this enemy that came to Eve so long ago is still very much alive. This enemy has been deceiving multitudes for a very long time, and you and I are not up to the battle. That's why we need to come to Jesus every day and surrender our lives to Him. Oh, we may make mistakes, we may trip and fall at times, but we have a Savior that will pick us up, wrap His arms around us, and give us hope for tomorrow. A number of years ago, I worked for Auburn Adventist Academy. In 2015, I was hired as the vice principal, and my job was to uh, in the area of recruiting. So I would be calling families up and talking about Christian education, and I would also go out and find money for helping these kids come to school. So, literally, I had to raise three, four, five hundred thousand dollars, sometimes up to eight thousand, hundred thousand dollars a year to help young people go to the academy. So I was doing a lot of trips, talking to people, wealthy folks, and bringing money back, and then I was talking to families, trying to get kids in. So it was quite a job, to be honest with you. And I missed the pastoral side of my life, but needless to say, that's what I was doing. And during this time, I was watching a newscast of a satanic temple being opened in Chicago. And the long line of people who were waiting to go into the temple to see what it was like. Like, whoa! And then they flicked a picture, and it was off the screen. And I said, what was that? And it's the image found in the temple, the satanic temple. Now, I don't like to show this picture, but there's something that you need to see, because in this image... Screams loud and clear the intention of Satan. Beside that gross sculpture are two little children, a boy and a girl. Could it be any clearer what the devil's intentions are? He is after our kids, he wants to destroy our children. And notice the kids and how their attention, their gaze is fixed on this image. The Bible reminds me that he is filled with fury because he knows he has only but a short time. I'm so glad the Bible reminds me of Romans 16, 20, where God says that he is going to one day crush Satan. He's going to destroy Satan. In fact, there's scriptures eluding in the Old Testament that says that he will be as if he was never, ever has been. He'll be gone. He'll be destroyed. He'll be crushed. But as for me and my family, I want to serve the Lord, amen? I want to be on God's side. The enemy is much too acquired within this sinful world that I can combat him on my own. I can't. I feel it daily. I know I can't. And my only defense, my only armor is to put on the armor of God to be covered in the righteousness of Christ, to be held by the grace of Jesus. This beautiful text here I love also, submit therefore yourselves to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Now that's a pretty important text if you think about it. Because it's not asking you to run from the devil, it's telling you just turn to Jesus and the devil will run from you. Isn't that good news? The best description I can think of that text is when I think of the death of Christ. On that Friday, when Jesus was on that cross, frankly, it looked like the devil had won. It looked like he had succeeded in killing the Son of God. It looked like all hope was gone. The disciples fled in terror and hid in their house. The Messiah had died. On that Friday evening, they took down the body, lifeless, bloodied, bruised, and broken. And for all intents and purposes, this has got to be one of the darkest days on planet Earth. Looked hopeless. But you know, my Bible tells me that a whole platoon of Roman guards stood around that tomb to keep Jesus in and make sure the disciples wouldn't take him out. But I believe, family, that there were a lot more than just those Roman soldiers around that tomb that night. I believe... Satan himself and the host of evil angels crowded that tomb to keep Jesus in. And then the Bible tells me that an angel from heaven, straight from the heart of God, came down. Here's what the Bible says. There was a violent earthquake for an angel of the Lord came down from heaven and going to the tomb, rolled back the stone and sat on it. His appearance was like lightning and his clothes were as white as snow. The guards were so afraid of him and they shook and became like dead men. And what the Bible doesn't tell us, but I believe it's true, all of hell fled because one angel showed up from God. You want to know where our power is? It's in the Lord Jesus Christ because when we submit to God, even the devil has to flee in his name. And that's why we have an empty tomb. Because the Lord God Almighty faced our death as a criminal, died our sin as a sinner, and he rose for us, that we might live forever with Him. The Bible tells me in Ephesians 1.18, I pray that the eyes of your heart, your family, may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious heritage to his holy people. And get this now, verse 19 and 20, gorgeous. And his incomparably great power for us who believe. What kind of power? What kind of power? The power is the same as the mighty strength he exerted when he raised Christ from the dead. That's the power that God wants to give to you and to me that power. Oh, there's no doubt there's a great controversy going on. There's no doubt it seems as if the enemy is, is winning and, and taking down many of God's children. But there is a call out there for us to stand up and be faithful. There is a call out there for God's people to be counted and be voice, voices of hope in a dark and dying world. And for those of us here in Port Angeles, we want to be such a people. You know, this last week I had the joy. I'm I'm telling you, I just look forward to it so much. Every Sunday night and Thursday night going out, I had the joy of wrapping my arms around people who don't get hugged every day. I know that for a fact. And telling them that God loves you and hugging them as hard as I can hug them to let them know that they're valuable. Because Jesus died for them. This week, I met a gal. Her name is Isabel. And she lives in one of our Oxford houses here in town. She's been clean for about six, seven months. She's been on the street. She has a little boy. And I'm telling you, dear family, I wish I could have recorded the sincerity of gratitude that she had for this church family and what we're doing out there. She said, I've been homeless. I know what it's like to go hungry. And as she's eating our food, she said, thank you. Thank you for being so loving to our people out here. God is calling, and we are responding And the great controversy may wage on, but as a people, we stand with Jesus and him alone. Let's bow our heads. Dear Lord Jesus, I want to thank you for letting us be all a part of the family of God. And we're a broken family, and sometimes we get upset at each other and hurt each other. And for that, we are sorry, Lord. But Jesus, we pray that you will use us despite ourselves, that your spirit would pour out in us despite our own hard-headedness at times. And God, I just want to make a call this morning that as if there is someone today that fills that great controversy, that is, that is feeling the pains and the wounds of the enemy in their home, in their life, in their marriage... And they just want to stand today and say, Jesus, I belong to you and I need you. I need you. I want my eyes to focus on you and you alone in this great controversy. I want to invite you to stand with me. I want to invite you to stand with me and say, yes, Jesus, I recognize the war and I want to be on your side. If that's your decision today, just stand with me wherever you are. Thank you, Jesus. Jesus, we love you. We need you. We recognize how the enemy has tried to hurt us and to hurt our children. And we just want to stand with you. And we thank you, Jesus, for we are always safe with you. In your holy, precious name we pray. Amen.
1: please stand for the closing Again, some... not Wars and strife on every hand And violence fills our land Still some people doubt he'll come again. hope, soon Christ Christ Jesus will descend. Signs of the time are draw with nigh, lift up your head, redemption draw with nigh,
0: amen. Lord Jesus, what a wonderful day that will be when you come again to take us off of this rock of sin and into your holy righteousness of peace and joy. Dear Lord Jesus, as we venture now into a brand new week, we want to do so with a deep, deep conviction that you are the only one who can rescue us from the enemy. We we have a deep conviction that we want to keep our eyes focused on you and keep our hearts pliable to the entrance daily of your Holy Spirit. So now may the love of God And the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with us both now and forevermore, we pray. And the congregation said, Amen.